Welcome to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Keith, and today I have a treat. I have Art Barter and Carol Belinsky with me, and we are pleased to announce the release of our brand new book, Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help Those You Lead. And our authors are Carol and Art. This is really exciting because Art and Carol have worked together for quite a few years. And there's a great story that goes along with this of how these two lives have intertwined and ultimately brought servant leadership to our parent company and some of our other divisions. Why don't you start, Carol, with telling us just where in the world this all began? Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate that lovely introduction. For me, the story began with a relocation from the Bay Area to San Diego area picked up everything, came down to San Diego since it was so lovely. There were places I would have said no to, but with San Diego, I said absolutely yes. And worked for a while down in Sorrento Valley. It was very difficult to find a position at that time. The economy was not doing well. This was like 1992. I was commuting to Sorrento Valley, had a young son, and I said, I really want to get a job closer to home. So I started looking for a job. Ultimately, I was faced with the decision of going to work for a sales company where I would have made a lot of money on a commission basis, or going to work for a small manufacturer in Escondido, California, and for a lot less money, and actually learning something that I knew nothing about. I was a materials planner in Silicon Valley, but didn't know the technicalities of doing that job as far as the computer interface and so forth. So Daytron gave me the chance to come on board. The gentleman who hired me, (laughs) when my immediate supervisor said, what do you think of Carol? He said, well, she's got a lot of energy. (laughs) And that was the okay to hire me. So I went into this job with, of course, what everybody goes into every new job with, high hopes. This is going to be great. Can't wait to get started. They're willing to train me. And I literally walked into one of the most dysfunctional situations I have ever seen in my life. And to clarify, Art Barter was not working at the time. That is correct. (laughs) I I wasn't there yet. Nope, I wasn't there yet. I ended up, you know, several times being in situations where, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, sitting at my desk and crying because it was just such a difficult situation. I am a person of faith, and so I started praying for this place. And little bit by little bit, I began to see these things take place that clearly showed me that God was moving. And one of them was bit by bit, he either, <laughs> he either converted folks to, with no, no, no promptings from me, some people left, some people found their faith, and new people were brought into the organization. And one of those new people was Mr. Art Barger. And he would have been my, not my immediate boss, but probably two levels above me. Take it from that point, Art. How did you end up at Daytron? I have been part of manufacturing companies most of my career. And I worked for a company in Carlsbad called Sierrison Magnadine. Left there under some not so great circumstances. I got so frustrated 
with the power leader CEO up in LA who spent more time managing his racing horses and walking around LA in a floor length fur coat. He was the true example of a power leader. He chewed people up, spit them out. And so um, I decided to leave. I started my own little consulting company on international business. And what I found out during that time frame, I think I I worked that for, I don't know, six or eight months, was I found out that I'm not a good salesperson because I don't like rejection. I don't like to hear the word, no, I don't want to buy or no, I don't want to attend. Yeah. We were doing conferences on international exporting, financing, et cetera. That was, that was what I love to do. And after about six months, decided this is not going to work. I was working out of the house and I wasn't used to that. So one of my potential clients was uh, Daytron World Communications. And the president there, John DeJoya, was looking to hire a finance person that did not come from the radio business. And I never built a radio in my life. I built motors, built printers. And we ended up meeting and he said, hey, I've got a position. Why don't you come interview for it? So I interviewed. We hit it off. I liked John. He liked me. And so he made an offer. What was interesting is I lived probably two miles away from Daytron World at the time over in Escondido. And I got my offer letter sent to me overnight by DHL. Oh, that's funny. And, and I thought, okay, number one, they're not using FedEx. And number two, what are they doing sending an offer letter overnight? I'm, I'm two miles down the road. You know? Right. They could have walked it to you. So I said, okay, well, this company needs some help. <laughs> uh, I started there. They took me around, introduced me to people, went over to the CEO's office of Daytron Systems. And one of the founders of Daytron was transitioning out and his name was Dick. He was in the CEO's office and they introduced me and Dick says, so Art, I understand you work for this company. And I said, yes. And he says, so is the CEO over there as bad as everybody says he is? I said, yes, he is. Uh, He says, how long did you work there? I said, a little over 10 years. He said, you must be a survivor. I said, well, I guess you could say that. Yes, you could. (laughs) I met Dick that day. Dick is still part of our company. He is an avid man of faith. We've helped him through his last season of his life. His wife passed away last year, and he has prayed for this company for the last 20 plus years for us. And and so that was um, part of your story, Carol, that Dick was on his way out, but he was just moving into a different role and yeah. praying for the company that he helped found. And so I started there as a VP of finance, started in October of 2003. Yeah, 1997, I think. 97, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, 97. Uh, October 97. Got a nice office, but it was a little interesting because nobody was talking to, to anybody. And there were five different buildings on the campus. Carol, you were over in, in the manufacturing building. I was over in the admin building. And there wasn't very much traffic going between the two buildings, were, were there? Not a yep. whole lot of of cross-visitation between the buildings. So everybody was kind of in their own little little world. So did you Uh, notice some of the same culture changes or or issues like Carol did with there being two different buildings? Were you walking into also something that seemed a little bit negative or combative or? You know, I I think everybody wanted to work together. I think the walls between the departments were well-established. And to give you an example, I asked how I got get on the network. Do I get an email address? And I was told, well, you have to go talk to the to the people in engineering because they control the server. And I went, oh, engineering controls the server? Yep. Well, how do you get on there? Well, you they have to like you to in order to give you an email address. <laughs> I went, okay, well, this is going to be interesting. So... <laughs> 
I, I kissed up to a couple of people and got an email address and uh, John gave me one of the first projects he gave me was to bring in a, an IT group and set up a network server and, you know, do it the right way. But I, I enjoyed the aspect of the company, a lot of international business, which is what I liked and probably took me about a year. And then I, I got some operational uh, responsibility and that's when I started working with Carol. We brought in some new, new people. So let me take a pause there because if most people have been following our channel, they've been able to hear your story of, of how ultimately you were able to, to buy Datron. And if you haven't yet, if you're new listening to us and you haven't heard that story, do go back and check some of our previous podcasts and Art really tells some unbelievable ways that he was able to take Datron and turn it into the type of company that he wanted and be able to um, manage it from a servant leadership style versus the typical power model. But I'm going to take it back over to Carol. Art had this vision ultimately, but Carol, now you're in, here comes this change. There's new people coming at the executive level. Art's come on board. Now, when do you start seeing changes from your side of the business where you're starting to see that need to change culture where ultimately you transitioned into helping with the servant leadership journey? Well, what, as I described before, one by one, certain individuals were either removed from the company or their thought of how they did their work was completely changed, where prior they might have been combative, there might have been substance abuse going on, things like that to being, I mean, those behaviors just gone and changed. Now, one of the things that has always touched me and is very important to me is as I would look at people working, in particular, the people that were building the radios, you know, it occurred to me that this is really, it takes a lot to do a job 40 hours a week, turning screws, pounding nails, very repetitive work. And if you can't put some meaning behind that work, then how can you find joy in it? And so that's, you know, an idea that was very important to me that played in my mind, those recordings that go on in your head. When Art first told us about servant leadership, I, of course, knowing him somewhat at that point, knew that it had a spiritual basis in, in his life. And that was important to me. And I saw it really as the answer to my question. How do people find meaning and purpose in what they do and what that can help them, you know, how that helps them to lead a more joyful life. And particularly with the beginning of the charitable foundation, you know, that really nailed it on the head, right? We have this money here and I can, re I can ask for it to go to things that are important to me. And so that, that was really key. And then you had individuals in management because we were a team that were communicating that message frequently to the people that work for them. Just communicating it over and over and over again. And so that was really important. And Art and I started, as we got to know one another better and, and better, we would talk about the future. When he started the Servant Leadership Institute, I was very intrigued by that. 
And he and I started, you know, talking about it just kind of casually at first. Well, you know, before you go on to another career or before you decide to retire, why don't you think about coming and working for the Servant Leadership Institute? And of course, I'd play it cool, but inside I was like, yes, that's so great. <laughs> because after all those years of planning, you know, while I enjoyed creating the production schedules that drove the factory because I knew where the end product was going and I knew what the purpose was as we shipped thousands of pieces of equipment that were important for people. I took a lot of satisfaction from that. But in my heart of hearts, I also had this need, a more creative need probably, to tell people about servant leadership and how it can change your life and how you live your life. So those casual talks became periodically me remembering, oh, I better, it's time to check in with Art <laughs> and see if that's still, you know, within the realm of possibility. And at some point you called me in 2013 and said, are you ready? And I said, oh boy, my bag is packed. Just tell me when you want me to start. <laughs> and that's really what, you know, started me with SLI. But the transition for all of us that were at a management level in implementing servant leadership, it was challenging. There's no doubt about it. And I can remember, you know, having to stand up in front of people and tell them, you know, what servant leadership behaviors I was weak at, and which ones I was strong at, what was my plan for improving. And, you know, in my speech that I, that I put together for everybody, I said, you know, you expect, and it was meant to be a joke, hope they took it that way. Um, you know, here I am doing a plan, my planning job, um, you know, trying to lead people, being a mom, being a wife, and now you want me to <laughs> <laughs> I just add one more thing on. But I also realized in that process and after reading, you know, all the 360 evaluations we did, that there was a reason for it. There was a reason that I was being asked, you know, to step out and, and do more and find out more about who I was as a leader and as a person. So, Art, what were some of those reasons in your mind? Why, why Carol? Well, you know, Carol kind of brushed over an important part of the story back in the old Daytron days. Servant leadership isn't easy, uh, but it's very rewarding. And in, in those times when it's not very easy, I would look at Carol in our times of challenges and I'd tell her, this is all your fault. <laughs> and she'd laugh and, and I'd laugh. And what I mean by that is my journey with servant leadership didn't start when I came to work for Daytron. It started after one day I came into my office and found a note on my chair. It was a flyer for an Easter service down at the beach uh, with New Venture Christian Fellowship and a little note from Carol saying, hey, would you and your family like to, you know, come for Easter service? My son at the time was going through a challenging time for a teenager. He had just lost his first girlfriend, uh, just broke up. And so he needed some help. So I grabbed him by the shoulders and Took him down down to the to the beach and said, "Here, you're going to listen to this. You you need this." <laughs> and so I remember, remember that day, Carol, Pastor Sean. I think the uh, the title of the message was, "Are you ready for a breakthrough?" And I was standing with my son and thinking, you know, are you listening to this? And all the time I'm listening to this, going, "Okay, maybe I should listen to some of this." And um, at the end, he challenged parents of children to change your life for the better for your kids. 
not for yourself. You're not willing to do it for yourself, do it for your kids. And that's when things changed. Um, 9-11 came along. Lori, my wife and I, we both came from different church backgrounds. Uh, she grew up through the Catholic faith, uh, me through the Christian faith. So we tried the Catholic faith first and nothing against Catholics. It's just, I, I would go and we'd walk to the car. I said, Lori, did you get anything out of this? And she said, well, I guess so. I said, did you get anything out of this? The last, we just sat an hour and a half and didn't, didn't get much out of it. So we ended up a new venture. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I think it was in June. Lori and I sat uh, usually to the right of the podium, about 10 or 12 seats back. Everybody had their seats back then, right, Carol? We'd all sit in our same <laughs> spots. Same area. And um, Lori and I ended up in tears that day. Uh, God touched us both. And that's when our life started to change for the better. And we both rededicated ourselves. And that's when the journey for me started to really look at my heart to see what type of leader I was and the type of leader that I could be if I was willing to take the journey. And, you know, that's a journey that everyone decides whether they, they take that journey or not. I didn't start with New Venture to become a better leader. We started there to be better parents. And so Carol and I, we spent time in a small group at New Venture where parents prayed for our kids as they were growing up as teenagers. And Carol, you headed an organization called... Um, what was it called? Mops? No, Mops is a different organization. Oh, okay. All right. This organization is called Moms in Prayer. And you prayed for the kids in school. Right. They prayed for schools and for their kids. And yep. to this day, I'm now in what's considered a college and career group. Mm -hmm. We're still praying for our kids and other people's kids. And my goal is to get to that mom's, that grandma's in prayer which will be, praise God, coming along here pretty soon. Pretty soon, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the start of my journey. And uh, when that happened, that's when I started taking a hard look at myself as a man, as a parent, a father, a husband, and then a leader. It took me a long time to figure out what the biblical priorities were in life and found out that I wasn't living up to those priorities. And then we were fortunate to meet people like John Maxwell, who saw something special in Daytron and came on board to help us out uh, in many ways. He's, he took the Bible and it's called the Leadership uh, Bible. And John teaches leadership application of the Bible. Uh, and that really helped me. And when we ended up having a chance to buy the company, we didn't have any money. Had a family that was that had gotten started, and you go, okay, you go home and say, you know, hey, Lori, I want to buy a radio company. And you know what? Uh, she didn't, she didn't bat an eye. We talked about it, but she says, yeah, if you think it's a good idea, let's do it. Now the home group, right. Prayed a lot for each other, prayed for our kids, prayed for our work. And through all that, we were able to go figure out what servant leadership meant to all of us. And it all, always means something different. As Carol said, she's, she's has a faith background. I have a faith background. Our, our spouses do as well. And, you know, when you spend time at church with people in prayer, small groups, worship times, singing, it, it creates a special relationship that when you do decide to go do something different at work and you're part of it, it makes that process a little bit easier because you're already on the same boat, shall we say, that you want to do something different. We didn't know what that, that was or, or what to define it, but we did know that we wanted to do something different. And uh, so, Carol, it, this is all your fault. Um, 
And, uh, you know, finally you got a book with your name on it because you, you've been a pretty much of a big content writer behind the scenes. So, uh, and editor and reviewer and organizer. And then Carol has been a big spiritual part of, of the work we do in servant leadership. She's been a great prayer partner. She prays for me before I go on stage, prays for me during, prays for the group and has had several courageous conversations over time when I haven't performed my best. Anyway, that's a little bit of behind the scenes of when times get tough with servant leadership and Daytron. I just blame her for everything because she's the <laughs> one that got it started. Yeah. I need to add one little piece to that story that I think people will appreciate. And that is, you know, when we pray for stuff, God always answers. Always. But many times we don't get to see the result of our prayers. That happens somewhere else, you know, down the line and we don't get to see it. That Easter Sunday, this particular event draws 5,000 people. As we were coming, as my family was parking the car, getting out of the car, starting to walk toward the, the amphitheater, there among the, the bobbing heads of people walking along was Art Barter and his son, Chris. So God decided that he was going to let me see the answer to my prayer. Yep. And the answer to that request that I left on his chair. So something so tiny as saying yes to God saying, you better, you know, invite this guy to Easter Sunday. He let me see the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Those little steps can turn into monumental leaps. Absolutely. So with both of you, I mean, clearly you've had this long history, this long working relationship, almost 25 years together and both spiritually and work life, you definitely have a good fit to be co-authors. So let's talk a little bit about the book and putting these two amazing minds together that are long-term servant leaders. So tell me about how you decided to come together to write this book. What was the inspiration? You know, we have people constantly say to us, how do we do servant leadership? And I believe that Art is always telling us, telling everyone in the messages that he gives, this is how you do servant leadership. But for some folks, those folks that are in sort of that mid-management level, dealing one-on-one with employees, sometimes the Things they need to do are very small little things, but they're still servant leadership and learning how to do servant leadership. So I had all these ideas rattling around in my head of just different incidents that I had seen over the years. And we created them with Art's blessing. Thank you very much, sir. As a weekly message that would go out to people who subscribed on the SLI website. So they started really as weekly tips. Then we decided to put them together into a book format so that folks could really work with it. Carol is the only person in the company, Datron and SLI, that has been here longer than I have. She has seen Art Barter the leader at his worst. She has seen Art Barter the leader at his best and everything in between. And she has seen, been on the front lines of the transformation of not only the company, but of a lot of different people, leaders within the company. And so she has a perspective on our journey that no one else in the company has. And what I love about Carol is 
she can zero in on those things that she sees that are important in the journey to share with other people. And I think that's the plus she brings to the book is, yeah, there's a whole lot of things we could, we could say. There's a, a lot of things we could write about. There's a lot of things we could talk about. Some of those just relate to our own journey within Daytron and others are ones that can impact people in helping them transform themselves and their organizations. And that's the big, big value Carol brought to this process is she's been on the front lines the whole time. And so she's seen it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's the name of a song, right? <laughs> I should say the good, 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 and the ugly, something like that. There's more good times than bad times, yeah. So this is filled with practical tips that have been used in real-life application. Yeah, and, and, and with Carol's, and you didn't mention this, Carol, you, you have an education background, teacher background. She knows how to convey that to people in an easy-to-use format, probing questions, get them to talk about things, and that's what I love about what she brought to the book. Yeah. So there's a hundred ways to help the ones you lead in this book. So Carol, do you have a favorite one, a favorite way? You know, I, before we went on today, I had two that I had picked out that I would talk about, but I think I'm going to pick something totally different. And that is, I had a visit from an employee some years ago who was very upset, very upset. And he was upset because the salary increase he had been given, he didn't feel was enough. And so I explained to him that, you know, that was all the company was able to do at this particular time. You know, we certainly valued him as an employee. It had nothing to do with his, the lack of quality in his work. And as we talked, he said to me, okay, well, let me just tell you this. I'm going to work even harder than I've been working for you because I'm going to show you that, that this job means something to me and that I'm a great employee. And this just, this blew me away. This has impacted me for years. The fact that this gentleman who is still with Daytron comes in with that kind of attitude every day. And it's certain leadership that has allowed people to feel like they have permission to go and talk to the boss when they're feeling that upset about something. And I was not his immediate supervisor. So he talked to his immediate supervisor first so that he didn't disrespect that leader before he came to me. And it stayed with me so long because of all those sort of little lessons within that that he showed. You know, he wasn't gonna cop an attitude. He was simply gonna work harder. And this person has gone on to learn several jobs within the company and do them all in an excellent manner made such an impression that actually made one of the tips. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. How about you, Art? Do you have a, uh, one of the ways that sticks out in your mind as being one that is more memorable for you than some of the others? You know, I, I think the whole subject of trust. Mm. And when I think back the day I walked into to Daytron World in Escondido back in 97, and if I look back and look at the different groups, I think within the groups, the groups wanted to work well together. They just didn't trust each other and the trust wasn't there. And what I found out was they weren't even listening to each other. And the physical buildings created a fort for every group that you didn't even dare walk across the parking lot. And, you know, when I started walking across the parking lot, there wasn't a whole lot of traffic going back and forth. 
And I always thought back then that, you know, people don't communicate, but they really didn't trust each other. And so the things in the book that really mean something to me that are my favorite is the things that will help you develop trust in relationships with other people. You know, if you have the courage to start down this path, you have to have the courage to start with yourself. Because if you start with other people, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're only doing it to get people to do what you want them to do. And so the trust part, I had to start with myself. And Carol's heard the story for a long time. We did a, a survey, you mentioned a little bit. And what my team told me was I was not a good listener. And I didn't believe them. Lori told me one night at home, basically, she says, you have a choice. And the choice was I can either believe my team that they know what they're talking about, or I can believe they're all stupid and, you know, get rid of them and start from scratch. She told me that night, she says, you know, they are telling you something that I already know, that you're not a good listener. And so you've got to start with yourself. If you've got the courage to go down this path of being a different type of leader that's focused on other people, you can't do that unless you start with yourself. And you have to be able to trust yourself and trust in relationships with other people in order to do that. And I think that's been my biggest takeaway in what we've been able to accomplish is the trust that's generated. And Carol, you talked about this individual, the trust that they have. Yeah, I, I didn't get what I wanted or what I think I'm a value of, but you know what? It's only going to make me want to work harder because I believe in the company. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times people have come back to work for Daytron who left for greener pastures <laughs> and found out that pastures were really full of all kinds of weeds and everything else. And, the, and they really weren't greener because the companies they went to work for didn't have a mission, a purpose, and a passion to help people. And so trust and listening are my favorite parts of the book in those areas. Yeah. In looking at the way this book is structured, I, I like how it's set up so that if you do want to focus just on trust, there's a section that gives you lots of tips just for that. And even one for specifically for listening and how to improve that along with several other chapters that are specific to different behaviors and building the culture of a company. And then looking at the individual tips that you have, do you want to talk a little bit about how that's structured and how you envision people using yeah, the book, Carol? Uh, my hope is that as you deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis, that something will spark in you. Maybe you feel you have someone who has a really bad case of victimitis. That's where you sit back and you say, well, I, I can't do my job because Lisa didn't do her job. And you're upset and the blood pressure goes up and you complain to your boss, but you just sit there and talk about how you can't do your job because of somebody else. So my hope is that as you deal with that, you'll say, wow, that's, yeah, that was, that was in the tips book. And you'll actually go in and we've, we've given you room there to actually make notes in the book so that it's almost like a workbook. Write down notes about how you can apply it in your particular situation and what you can do for that individual that has victimitis. And what I advised at the time was, why don't you step out of your department and go and talk to that department that is next door to you and find out how much product you're gonna get on a certain day so that you'll know in advance so that you can plan and do your job better. The problem is you've built this wall up and it's a whole lot easier to whine, quite frankly, 
than it is to go and do something about it. So my hope is that people will use the book to actually document things that will help them in their departments and, and in their um, work groups. Yeah, it's a great book to keep on your desk, to be able to refer to, quickly flip through if you need to find a quick tip for something you're dealing with immediately. It's also great to have, even if you wanted to do like a book club and bring a small group of people together, being able to sit there and go through these tips one by one and getting feedback from other people of how they may have approached the situation. I, I like that you've got a lot of flexibility with this book to use it for individual study as well as a group study. You're right there, Lisa. It's sort of an unexpected blessing that comes from this is that you really can use it to teach and also to share what's going on for people in groups. And you also gave them some great bonus items in the appendix. I love that y'all filled that with some, some of our uh, wonderful teaching tools we've used over the years with the Servant Leadership Institute. We've got the nine behaviors of a servant leader that are uh, very helpful to integrate with these tips. Flip the org chart. We've got having courageous conversations. So some really good bonus items in addition with purchasing the book. So good call on adding those to the back. These are things that, that art has designed that really hold the meat, if you will, of what we're trying to teach. So you can take that diagram of flipping the org chart and completely explain servant leadership to people in a way that they can understand very easily. That's great. Yeah. Any last thoughts you'd like to share with the audience? Let me jump in on the on how the book is structured. I really like this because it takes data points from our experiences and our knowledge, puts them, puts them there for you, and it gives you room to write. And I'm going to encourage people who don't like to write about how they're growing or their thoughts about things is just sit down and start writing, okay? The space is there, but the book is not the end all. And it's going to lead you down paths that aren't in the book because, again, this is the, the path we experienced. And it won't be the same path that people who read the book will experience. It's not a traditional book that flows from chapter to chapter, has quotes. This is a book to give you specific ideas on how to improve based on what we've experienced. And I like that because, for me, it will lead me down different paths today than it would have 15 years ago. And that's what I like about it. You can pick it up in 10 years and go through it again. It's going to take you to a different <laughs> different level because if you've matured as a servant leader, you're going to continue to learn. And so these questions are going to take you to a new level. And that's what I love about the way Carol structured the book. Yep. Great. So the book is Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help the Ones You Lead by Art Barter and Carol Malinsky. It's now available on Amazon, so check that out and send us your feedback. Great book, good for individual use as well as great for doing book clubs, and we hope you get a lot out of it. So thank you, Carol. Thank you, Art. And uh, go pick up a copy of Equipped to Serve. Thank you for listening to the Servant Leadership Institute podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Our newest publication, Equipped to Serve, 100 Ways to Help the Ones You Lead by Art Barter and Carol Malinsky, is now available online through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Visit ServantLeadershipInstitute.com for logs, webinars, and more, all dedicated to servant leadership. Have an amazing day, and we will see you on the next episode.